never seen a video nasty. I wouldn't. I have far too much. But how, how can you judge on video nasty? Oh, have you never seen one? I actually don't need to see visually what I know is in that film. Welcome to the Video Nasties podcast. My name's Christopher Brown. The thing about Blood Song from 1982 is it's probably not actually that memorable as a film. It's a fairly low-key slasher film that has popped up on occasions on VHS under a couple of different names. Um, it's really known for a couple of odd elements. One, it's killer. It plays the flute a lot, a wooden flute. Two, there appears to be a psychic bond built between in the blood after a blood transfusion between a, a young woman and the murderer. And three, and probably most likely, the fact that this is a slasher film where the murderer is 1950s crooner Frankie Avalon. All very strange, but uh, not as strange probably as that idea of a psychic link between child and murderer. This was giving me nightmares. I keep seeing some lunatic killing people. I'm scared. You're crazy. Don't say that. Multiple fractures left leg, severe concussion, blood type O positive. That's rough to come by. Do we have a sufficient supply? Yes, doctor. Do you think I did it on purpose? If you hadn't been so drunk and run into that car, I wouldn't be a cripple now, would I? The donor is a patient at the state mental hospital. Some guy killed one of the orderlies who escaped from the college hospital. You mean the loony bin? Hmm? That's in Corvallis County, right? Out of our jurisdiction, right? Hey, where you headed? San Francisco. Jesus Christ. You've been playing that same thing for over an hour. Don't you know anything else? I told you my daddy made this for me just before he died. You're just like all the rest. They tried to take it away from me too, but I got it back. Hi. Hi. Where are you headed? Stanford Bay. You going that far? Well, I guess I can get you there. Hop in. So, the story, the synopsis very quickly and very easily. Frankie Avalon plays this very um, ill, mentally ill, scarred person, a mentally scarred person who escapes from a mental institution. He's witnessed his father shoot his mother in the head and has been mentally ill ever since in that uh, slasher movie kind of way. He takes his favourite flute, uh, a memento of a more innocent childhood, and hit takes around town, leaving a trail of 
type of bodies you would expect, uh, mainly stabbed or uh, bludgeoned with uh, various sharp objects. He uh, seems to particularly take uh, pleasure in killing those that uh, have a go at his flute playing. There is a link, though, between him and uh, the uh, character called uh, Marion, who's played by uh, Donna Wilkes. And this psychic bond brings them closer together and eventually makes um, our mad killer uh, more likely to uh, attack our, our, our poor defenseless woman. So Frankie Avalon had scored two big hits when he was just very young in the late 1950s with Venus and Y. And he built a kind of a, a, a career as a crooner. Um, but um, as with all these things, you know, these things are a big, big, big news when you're young, and then as you get a little bit older, you may fade away a little bit. And as um, as is the fickle nature of the pop industry, and um, he uh, lost his, uh, his his shine, as it were, only to regain it as a co-lead um, in the extremely popular AIP Beach Party films in the '60s. Beach Party, Bikini Beach, Muscle Beach Party, and Pajama Party. Now these films were, uh, as we I think we've mentioned them before, were uh, very popular, but probably not popular for the reasons that they were making out that they were. That these were for hey young hip kids who are like really into the the songs of the time. Far more likely it was older people who were looking at young people in their underwear. Beach party for the most uproariously uninhibited unveiling of today's pagan rites. The Samoan puberty dance all over again. The observing professor is Bob Cummings. Dorothy Malone is the professor's assistant, who can uh, teach a few things herself. After you write this book on sex. Yes? Read it. Frankie Avalon and Annette Funicello, two youngsters in love you'll love. You know, the only thing I've studied this semester is you. Well, I hope you don't flunk. Ava Six, a prime asset at any party. Harvey Lembeck, a motorcycle matador. Amsterdam, host to hot doggers and beach bunnies. Why not? Keep on moving and a grooving, don't stop now. Don't stop now. Promise me anything but give me love. A secret service spot where only I know the Grimmies and the Hooters never go. That's what you should do. Vacation is here. Beach party tonight. What do we hold, sinners? Girls! Yeah! 
there's an irresistible surge of that urge to romantically merge. Ah, it's wild and wonderful when 10,000 kids beat on 5,000 beach blankets. Hey, wall-to-wall girls. Laughing, loving, living it up. In a in a short period of time, he's a he's a big deal um, uh, with with these films. But by the time the the, the Bikini Beach uh, films kind of came to an end, Bear and Mandy were a fad and absolutely hammered into the ground. Uh, Avalon had already been replaced by Tommy Kirk, and his uh, career had hit the skids. Even playing a teen angel in the musical Grease for that famous song. Didn't do a lot to kind of kickstart his career again and had to appear on various things like Fantasy Island. Um, he uh, he ended up um, <clears throat> taking the job in this early 80s low-budget slasher. Donna Wilkes um, had a, a similar, not a similar trajectory, but a little bit on and off. She was able, much like uh, Avalon, to uh, to play a teenager well into her twenties, and uh, appeared in a handful of roles like Jaws two in seventy eight and Schizoid in nineteen eighty, and appeared frequently on uh, some TV programs and that kind of thing. Uh, it wasn't until uh, nineteen eighty four when she uh, appeared in Angel, uh, playing a fifteen um, year old high school girl who um, falls into. Um, the realms of uh, prostitution in a very salacious way that uh, Wilkes kind of um, hits her her stride as a well you know becomes defined by this those kind of films unfortunately don't traditionally or unfortunately either lead you to Oscar glory or to um, or to, to Nowheresville and uh, unfortunately she quickly fell into uh, turning into films like Grotesque the old uh, Linda Blair movie which is far less a uh, a classic, shall we say? I think it's got Tab Hunter in as well. A lot of lot of people kind of uh, swirling around their careers at the time. The film was based on a short story by Joseph Shrink, who adapted the screenplay with Frank Avianca and Lenny Montana. Frank Avianca was an American rock and roll singer actor. Uh, he performed as Frankie Sardo. Um, and he was a member of the ill-fated Winter Dance Party in '59. After which, Buddy Holly, Richie Valens, J.P. Richardson lost their lives in a plane crash the morning after a show in Clear Lake, Iowa. So he did various uh, pop pop records, um, and then it kind of fell into the, the the film game, making films like uh, oh, The Humor Factor and stuff like that. Let's not get too excited about his his, his career, to be honest with you. And the film itself was um, directed and uh, co-written by Alan J. Levy as well, who um, worked far more on TV, in truth, uh, working as a director as on uh, Ronan Martin's Laughing spin-off, uh, Letters to Laughing, and worked on, you know, Columbo, The Invisible Man, Gemini Man, Six Million Dollar Man, a lot of men here, uh, The Bionic Woman, just to mix it up. Uh, the kind of thing you will have seen one of the things he's worked on Credible Hulk, Airwolf, Miami Vice, Magnum PI, Quantum Leap, 
new adventure Superman. I mean, you know, he has done a lot, including um, a couple of TV movies as well, including the last song, probably more notably uh, The Stepford Children from 1987. Um, but Blood Song was really his, his big theatrical film. And I think that shows in truth, not, not to be too on the nose in terms of the film and, and, and its quality, but um, it does feel like a, um, a TV movie-ish and then suddenly this this big old gore kicks in. So, you know, much like, say, for example, um, Visiting Hours, if you can cast your mind back to, to that that episode. You know, these are, these are films that definitely uh, are aimed to be um, bigger, but they're made with you know competent uh, teams that are, who are who are used to low budgets, and they they can on occasion look a little TV movieish. Let's be honest with you, that probably isn't helped by some of the quality of the copies that are currently going around. This film is readily available on Amazon Prime if you're a member of that. If you don't mind giving all your money to Jeff Bezos, and um, that, uh, that that copy that I was on that is without doubt a VHS rip and that's pretty much what's been knocking around for a while now. Indeed, I'd be surprised if the elements haven't been lost. So the film was uh, cost about $1.2 million, um, was filmed around about the uh, autumn of 1980 in uh, Central Oregon Coast. Um, and uh, Jim Campbell, who was an executive producer, kind of recommended around this area, including Coos Bay, because um, he'd formerly lived there and felt it would feel kind of American-y, you know what I mean? Kind of like uh, it would feel like a, a homely kind of place for, 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 the, for the horror to, to, to happen in. It was originally uh, scheduled for, to work for, tw- for 22 days and it under the working title Premonitions and it cost $1.2 million, as he said. So we get lots of murders. Um, the film oddly uses the um, the blood transfusion um, story narrative device initially, and then almost immediately jettisons it in favour of uh, just a stalk and slash storyline. Um, there's some flashbacks as well um, to kind of give you a feel that something's on the go there, and. Um, ugh, this, by the time this film was released in '82, the uh, the slasher genre is probably you know is, is well established, and um, deviations from the course, particularly things like randomly playing a flute, which is odd, and um, it seems to be more just a, a way to kind of explain a few more deaths to kind of keep the film ticking over before we get to the stalk and slash elements, the last third. Seem off out of place. Indeed, it would be hard for the uh, the narrative journey around a blood transfusion, kind of creating a psychic link, not to feel slightly off kilter. If I'm being honest, and um, as such, the film can uh, rather uncomfortably sit in the bounds of well, let's be honest with you, melodrama. That is not to say that these kind of elements cannot create fantastic horror movies and fantastic movies generally. Aside from you know. TV movies being, you know, good, <laughs> a lot of them. Um, and interesting and insightful and cover, you know, important issues. But at heart, I think the film struggles because this is ultimately a bit of stunt cast and, you know, you get an old heartthrob, he might be a bit on down on his luck, give him some money and kind of say, be a baddie. And uh, Avalon does not really um, feel much like a character who 
um, he doesn't doesn't feel quite as as sculpted and as you know as believable as possibly he would do. Um, you know, this is in no way does this feel like a, a maniac kind of film. You know, really heavily you know crafted uh, character piece about a, a psychopath or about a murderer. They are more than aware, though, that the kids love the synth scores on, on horror films, and this features, as with a lot of uh, films from the time, a uh, kind of a uh, low bassy droney synth kind of thing on the go, which uh, is my thing, but might not be yours. It's uh, not as the classic stuff that you may see elsewhere, let's put it that way. The film was um, released, obviously, <laughs> so, so um, the film was released... Uh, in the UK in 1982 on either film services VHS either were known as uh, people who had released Video Nasties so uh, Nice the Bloody Apes and uh, Night of the Demon the uh, the Bigfoot film were both on that on that label and I th- so the film has been is uncut in the UK mainly because it's prime release and is now available on a Region 1 DVD uh, which you'll be able to pick up uh, as rated R, if you want to watch it. But as I say, if you, the quality is not particularly spectacular, um, and it is on Amazon Prime if you have that service and want to sit this one out. Um, it, as we say, it was passed uncut. Although it was released as a as an, a preset, it was actually passed uncut by the BBFC in 1986, and that's where it stands to this day. So not the worst uh, slasher film on the list, but certainly not the not the best. But uh, you know, if you're if you're a fan of nineteen fifties crooners on the slides, then I have my friends. Do I have the film for you? thanks very much for listening uh apologies for not getting this out last week um there will be another one next week i'll, I'll try and get a bit of a backlog on the go i'm literally going to bounce out of recording this and go straight into recording uh, our next episode which is jess franco again uh not the jess last jess franco film will cover either by a long shot there's a couple more to come so we're going to do jess franco's the demons next uh, which is available on a very nice Blu-ray if that is your thing and you like uh, Franco and his uh, gothic sleazy phase, which uh, I think for many is one of the one of the sweeter spots for him. Anyway, until then, take care. Speak to you soon. Goodbye. I have never seen a video nasty. I wouldn't. I have far too much. How, how can you judge on a video? Oh, Have you never seen one? I actually don't need to see visually what I know is in that film.
hadn't been so drunk and run into that car, I wouldn't be a cripple now, would 